What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Loyal listeners, welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. It has been a minute. Um, I'm Dan Favalli. I'm coming at you without Adam Frommel or Andy Bailey today, but fear not because we have Miami Heat insider for Bleacher Report. Zach Buckley is here to talk with us about the start to Miami's quarter season. Um, how are you doing today, Zach? No complaints, man. Glad to be here. Um, are you feeling better than the seven and thirteen Heat? Though is the question. Uh, I'm doing better for sure than before they left for the road trip last week. Um, there was some optimism around them then that maybe the road trip would be a chance for this team to bond. There's obviously so many new pieces on that team. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Um, you know, Udonis Haslam's the only one who's been there uh, more than two seasons at this point. So there's so many moving pieces so many guys on one-year deals, so many young guys, uh, it's not uh, a great setup in terms of developing, managing chemistry. Um, but they were, you know, they were optimistic, like I said, that maybe this road trip would kind of spur that thing in motion. And, and look, they, they left 
had a tough back-to-back in in uh, Denver and Utah. Took both sides of that, and then played a good game in Portland. So I'm doing better than before they left. But uh, at this point, they might have uh, surpassed me. <laughs> now, I think my biggest question. Well, I have like eight really big questions about the Heat. One of them, though, is who's filled like the leadership void in that locker room? Like with Dwayne Wade being gone, Luol Dang being gone, Bosh isn't around the team. LeBron's been gone. I assume Haslam takes it upon himself to some extent, but like you want your leader to play. Right. And and that's something that even going back to media day, uh, UD touched on back then. He said, you know, obviously he knows the culture better than anyone. He knows Bolster better than anyone. He knows what's expected here. Uh, but his words only carry so much meaning, uh, you know, when he's barely getting off the bench. Um, Wait, he actually so it's, said it's, his words only carry so much meaning? He didn't necessarily say that, but he said he he said we need a leader on the floor. Okay. Uh, so he conceded awesome. that he would not be the on-floor leader. Um, so it, it's been a weird dynamic. You know, I think, um, frankly, I've been really impressed with Whiteside, uh, specifically really? in the leadership department. Um, you know, he's not a guy who, who does the best job of, you know, hiding frustrations all the time, uh, doesn't bring the best body language. But you see those areas getting better. And one thing I've noticed is, um, you know, there's growing pains with this team. Like I said, a lot of young guys. So you've seen some players make some mistakes, some bad passes, some some questionable decisions. And Hassan's been the first guy over to him, giving him that handshake, giving him that pat on the back. And I don't think that's, the, that's you know, anything – people expected his son to do because he was the guy getting the pat on the back from Wade, right. from Bosch, from all those guys. So he's really impressed. Dragic, I think, is obviously there because, you know, he's the point guard. Um, he's the extension of the coach. He's I controlling the offense. I understand him when he speaks, though. So how do his teammates understand him? <laughs> That's the issue. And, again, I'll go back to the same thing because Haslam cracked me up. He said, um, he goes, you know, Goran could be the leader, but half the time we don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> uh, and, and, then, and then he and then he changed his quote later to say, by the way, we don't always understand what Hassan is saying either. But I think, you know, at least they they they're sort of on more of the same length wavelength uh, with Whiteside. I think Dragic has been able to, um, you know, I, I, he obviously doesn't have the off court connection maybe that some guys do because um, there's just some there's an age gap with a lot of the guys. There's a culture uh, difference, obviously. Um, but, you know, a lot of the young guys, uh, Josh Richardson, Tyler Johnson, even Justice Winslow told me Goran's been really good with just kind of pulling them aside when he sees something in-game and sort of giving them that advice that, hey, you could have made this pass or you could have made this read or here's what I would have done. So it's been those two, UD kind of overseeing everything. But, um, you know, a lot of this team is just kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's Spolster's team is how Whiteside put it. Spo leads the way, and everyone's kind of falling in line behind him, and I think that's what you're seeing. One of my, I guess, primary concerns coming into the season for him was, would he be good without the old version of the Heat? You know, I think even some of the on-court numbers show that he didn't necessarily need Dwayne Wade last year, or Luol Deng wasn't that important to him, but not having those guys around him, he had all those safety nets, and now he doesn't, and he's still been phenomenal, and I'm moving past the whole he's put doubters to bed, he, he's actually really good. He's just really good, no matter what vacuum you're putting him in. And I'm, I'm wondering if we can ask a question like, you know, is he better than a guy like Andre Drummond? He's older, doesn't pass as well, but Drummond isn't a greater passer either. And it seems like 
Whiteside can maybe impact uh, the defensive side of the ball a little bit more. They're both kind of the same player on the offensive end, pick and roll. Um, the Heat do not force feed Whiteside as many post-ups as the Pistons do to Drummond. But it just seems like, is that a conversation that we can have? Is Hassan Whiteside that good? Yeah, yeah. I think it's absolutely a conversation you could have um, based off what he's done already this season, uh, moving into this spotlight. And frankly, it's been, I think, uh, more of a seamless transition than anyone could have expected. You know, the one thing I worried about um, with Wade leaving, and, and obviously, um, you know, those guys gave him direction, that sort of thing. But Wade was always really good at looking for his son um, and kind of getting him involved. And it seemed like Whiteside was one of those guys that, that needed a touch, you know, every, what was whatever it was going to be, you know, every other minute or whatever it was to sort of keep him engaged and, and keep him playing hard and keep him playing, you know, impactful basketball. Um, he'll go stretches this season where he's not getting those touches. Um, I don't think there's necessarily a guy who says, hey, I've got to get Hassan going. Um, and what's impressed me about that is he's still going to deliver. Um, he doesn't give you those sort of ineffective moments, uh, at least nearly as often as he used to. Um, you're looking at him, you know, 16 double-doubles in 20 games. Only Russell Westbrook's got more double-doubles than him. Uh, leading rebounder in the NBA by almost two per game. Uh, second in block shots. And he's not, you know, he's always been a good shot blocker, right? You know, nobody's doing it with blocks. Uh, but now he's not just chasing those highlight swats. Um, he's not chasing those kind of volleyball spike into the stands. Right, he's keeping the ball in play more, it seems like. Is there a exactly. stat for that? We need a stat for that. Exactly. Uh, he'll get you those, you know, snatch blocks where he's just pulling it down. Um, you know, and he's getting better at, at coming out to the perimeter to challenge shooters, which is a big issue for him. Even early in this season, uh, when they played the Spurs, I think it was the third game, he kind of let Pau Gasol roam wherever he wanted, and Gasol kind of ate him up. Um, and I think the Memphis trip, when Memphis came here, you kind of saw that with Gasol, uh, the other Gasol, Mark. Um, Hassan lost him a couple times. They eventually just switched Hassan off him because um, he was having a tough time covering him. But for the most part, he's challenged shots better. I think he's done better uh, sort of rerouting some pick and rolls. He's a little bit more active in that. Uh, but he's really just kind of fortifying himself as a legit rim protector and not just a shot blocker. Uh, players shooting 41% against him at the rim. That's the best number among high volume bigs. So that shows you, you know, he's, yeah, he, he's not just, he's not just swatting shots like he used to. He's, he's legitimately changing them. Um, you know, and, and then you look at offense. Uh, like you said, he's not a guy you run a lot of post ups through, run a lot of looks through, but just that pick and roll game is so effective. Um, 87th percentile as a pick and roll roll man. That's, that's sort of facing some of like the worst paint traffic jams in the league. Like you even said it, the way the teams defend the Heat is just packed to paint. It's on Whiteside's just so his catching, like in his touch and ability to finish through all that is just unbelievable. Yeah, and he, he's talking about you know he, he said he kind of feels like this pin to sort of get him bowling balled in the lane because there's so many guys and so many <laughs> bodies just hitting him. Uh, but but yeah, that that's become their identity is sort of that that pick and roll around him, and that's been such a force. Uh, that you know him off court versus on court. When he's on, he's going to add ten points per one hundred possessions to their offensive output, which is just a staggering number when you consider 
this guy's 23rd percentile in post-ups. He's not a guy you just dump it in and let it happen. But but just the impact of that, the chaos that he can cause with that vertical spacing as a lob threat um, is, has just been uh, magnificent this season. The last question I have on him is, I guess just put everyone at ease. Like It says the Heat are worse defensively, statistically, with him on the floor. A lot of that seems like it's it has to do with the last five or seven games that you talked about where their defense has just been bad overall. Is that just like a symptom of the lineups that he's facing as opposed to what other players um, are facing? Because if you look at um, Adam Frommel's NBA math statistic, like Hassan Whiteside is just a, a beast in terms of being a defensive plus. Like he saves so many points on the defensive side. But the Heat are just... And it's like you even said, I don't think you would look at him and be like, oh, the Heat are just going to be 10 points better per 100 possessions offensively, and yet they are. You know, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that he plays a lot alongside Dragic. So is, is it kind of like the same story on defense? Like the Heat the Heat are probably lucky that they're not even worse with him on the floor because of these guys that he's playing around? Right, yeah. There's, just, there's not a lot of plus defenders on the roster to begin with. And I think the most reliable ones that you have had uh, our guys are on the injury report right now. You know, Josh Richardson hasn't been playing. Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters. A lot of the you know, Waiters, in fact, is really impressed as a defender. He might be a name that, that catches some people off guard. But kind of those have been three of their more trusted perimeter pieces. All of them have been missing in this defensive downturn, um, which has really exposed Hassan. Uh, you know, he like I said, I think he's getting better at, at rerouting perimeter guys. He's getting better around the rim. But a lot of times you're not seeing that second rotation happen. Um, you're not seeing somebody slide yeah, okay. over to Whiteside's guy and keep him off the glass or, you know, eliminate these second chance chance points. Um, you know, and he's just um, he's a really active defender around the paint because there's so many attacks coming at him. Uh, they're just there's not a lot of resistance on the on the wings. When you're having to go through um, Tyler Johnson, not a great defender at this point in his career. Luke Babbitt, Derek Williams never will be uh, <laughs> defensive presences. You know, Wayne Ellington is not out there for defense. Um, there's, there's not a lot of uh, defensive options around him that are going to sort of help him on that side. So, yeah, I think um, that's been a criticism he's heard before. You know, everyone's looked at, hey, the defense plays better when he's not there. Well, there's, you know. That's always sort of a a tricky stat um, if you just kind of take it at face value. It happened last year too, I think, wasn't it? And like after the All Star break, they just like he was probably the defensive player of the year after the All Star break. Right, and, and you know after the All Star break, the one thing that they really did is sort of adopt uh, the style that they played this year, which is more of that up tempo and and sort of that's I think a situation where you kind of let his athleticism shine. You know, he's uh, he can be a good rim runner. Um, his size. You know, to get his athleticism uh, in a package that big, uh, he's a special kind of weapon. And, and I think that that can help their defense, too, uh, because when they're not scoring a lot, um, you know, then you're looking at, at runouts, um, you know, off, off bad shots, off misses. It's a lot easier to set your defense when you're scoring consistently. Um, and when they haven't been scoring uh, consistently a lot, uh, that's that's really exposed to everyone on this roster. But um, Yeah, that's a great point, too, getting set after a team grabs a defensive rebound. So w- what are your thoughts on James Johnson? He's just been phenomenal. I think we saw bursts of it with the Raptors. Andy used to cape for him when he was in Toronto um, right. to get more spin. And it seems like the Heat are, are giving him that chance. And he definitely seems like the type of guy who could be inconsistent but he's pieced together like a pretty long stretch of 
basketball with Miami. So maybe this is maybe this version of him is someone who can stick. Yeah, you know, and uh, I was researching the piece or research a little blurb I did about him, and it's funny because he's one of those guys that the different places he's been, um, <laughs> there have been guys lobbying for more playing time for him. I think at every stop, there's you'll find the article. Why isn't James Johnson playing more? And not all of those articles are written by somebody who played high school basketball with him. Like these are these are impartial observers who are going, you know, hey, this guy's got a unique skill set. Uh, he's got a lot of athleticism. Maybe we can mold him into something. Um, but his big thing has been, you know, Spolster kind of told him, we're not going to put you in a box. Uh, we're not going to define what your role is. We're just going to kind of let you go out there and play your game. Um and the one thing that they really challenged him on was was getting in shape, kind of dropping weight. And he says he's, you know, everyone is, but uh, he says he's in the best shape of his life. Um, if you've seen some of his dunks lately, he put one on uh, Gobert the other night. Uh, I think he had a huge smash in, in Portland, too. Um, he's had just some monster plays above the rim, really at both ends. Like, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. Um, so he's, I think, dedicated in um, – I think the Heat are more dedicated to his development. Um, I don't know if that's you know different than other teams have been, but but probably more dedicated to his development uh, than a lot of people assume that they would be. Kind of segueing into, I guess, players that the Heat are actually trying to develop. Um, and I, I know injuries have kind of like mucked up the, the rotations a little bit, but one is Magruder a player on this team? that they want to get like a look at for the future do, or do you kind of think he's an aberration? And I guess what I'm more uh, enamored with would be Josh Richardson, Tyler Johnson, Justice Winslow. Like what is the, like are, are these the guys, they already signed Tyler Johnson. I, I think Richardson's going to be a, a free agent in 2018. I can't, I can't remember. I'll have to look that up. Um, but like what is the vision, like are those three the guys right now? And with Whiteside, like, is that, do they view that as the nucleus? Right. And uh, I'm going to bury the lead because you did bring up Magruder first. And this is obviously like a footnote to everything else. Um, I didn't think when Magruder made the team that it was anything more than an end of the bench body. Um, they liked, you know, they, there was a lot of clamoring for Beyonce Weber to get that spot. Um, just a crazy. Uh, defensive-minded point guard uh, who got some time with him late last season and, and is back, I think, in Sioux Falls with her D-League is it a house? team. There was a lot of no, it's a truck. clamoring, I think, from the fans for here, for Briante to get that spot. And Magruder took it, I think, because he showed them, you know, he's got some perimeter scoring skills. Um, he's just one of those guys who just kind of knows, knows the game. He's played um, overseas. He's played in the D-League, so he's, he's a technically NBA rookie, but – Spo always points out this guy's not really a rookie. Um, so he understands things. Um, and I think he's impressed uh, with just sort of his, his, his basketball IQ and his savvy. He, he's one of those guys that just just kind of shows up in the right place at the right time a lot of times. He you going, like oh, he geez. hustles. Like he, he, he hustles. Like... Yeah, he, he brings it, I think, every possession. He's, he's had some huge – uh, offensive rebounds, which I don't think is the strength of his game at all, but he's just, you know, he outworks people. Um, but, you know, if if they don't have any injuries on the perimeter, I don't think he plays at all. Um, but the fact that they did, 
and he moved himself into the starting lineup and established a rotation spot. I think he's a guy that that they wouldn't mind keeping around for a little bit. Um, they're not going to pay him a lot. I don't think most teams would, um, based off what you've seen so far. But uh, yeah, I think he's a rotation guy for the rest of this season. Now, getting to the big question, you know, obviously well, they have they don't even need to worry about paying him because he's non guaranteed through 2018-2019. Right. Um, right. But since you're segueing into Richardson, yeah, he's going to be. They paid Tyler. They're paying Dragic. Um, Winslow will be extension eligible in 2018, and Richardson's going to be a restricted free agent in 2018. So I guess I'm kind of, like, is do you think all these pieces? And I guess you kind of have to encompass Dragic in there too because the Heat like to have, or it seems uh, you watch more of them than I do, but it seems like they ha- like to have Richardson try and run some pick and roll. They're grooming Tyler Johnson. It, it always seems like, oh, we're trying to groom him as a point guard, but they definitely use him just like a combo guard. Right. Uh, like, is that – it seems like – it seems fun because Winslow might be able to play some four, but it also just seems like that's not going to be, you know, uh, a four-headed or five-headed, however many guys are there, a monster that they're going to keep around long-term. Right. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think they've got three for sure – long-term fixtures um and i'm putting Whiteside in that group you know because he just got his his four-year max um winslow is right there bargain yeah exactly um winslow is in there for sure uh there's so many interesting things to his game and just what he's able to do at his size with his explosiveness uh his defensive mentality you know if if he gets a jump shot and granted, that's a huge if. Um, I've watched him. I've watched some airball shots and warmups. You know, when there's no hand in his face, I, I I think his shot looks better than it did last year. There was kind of a hitch in it that I think he's gotten gotten better at. Um, the Heat, I think, have their first ever shooting coach that they hired this summer. Um, I don't think that that's a coincidence. <laughs> I think that was largely a justice move because he's going to need to be able to shoot um, to get anywhere close to whatever his his final ceiling is. But regardless, they've got a lot of time to figure that out. He's the guy they're going to keep. And Josh Richardson, I think, is a long-term, um, long-term player for them. Like you said, they, they put him on the ball. I think he's really impressed. Last year, you know, he, he made his impact as a catch-and-shoot guy and sort of a 3-and-D guy. This year, he's done a lot more on the ball pulling up off the dribble. Um, he's got the athleticism, finish plays at the rim. He's a guy that you forget is six foot six uh, with a 6'10 wingspan. If you can somehow get him on the ball uh, and have a 6'6 point guard, uh, that's just uh, that's found money at that point. So, you know, Tyler's the interesting one. I, I don't know if if Brooklyn doesn't force, it, force Miami's hand with that offer sheet and, and Dwayne doesn't leave, um, you know, I, I don't think – Tyler's here. Uh, certainly, I, I think if Wade was here, I don't think Tyler's here, um, and I don't think that they would have given him probably what Brooklyn ended up giving him. Um, they like him, uh, like you said. They, he is a guy who's getting groomed all the time for this point guard role. I don't know um, if that's something that's going to ever fit, but you know, if you can work out this this lineup where you've got him with Richardson and Winslow, and you've got all three of those pieces together, and you've got different guys who can initiate and create, and maybe you make something work that way. Um, but then, you, you know, like you said, you come back to Dragic, and kind of where does he fit 
in this whole grand scheme. I think he's 31. Um, you know, he's he's expensive. Um, his 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 time frame doesn't seem like it fits the rest of the core. Um, you worry, yeah, are there going to be wing positions open or perimeter positions open when you've already got Richardson and, and, and Johnson um, and Winslow in there? So Joggers is a really interesting one. I don't know what the end game is for him. Uh, I, I do think the, the one thing that makes it sort of easy to keep Dragic around and, and sort of build with him right now is this up-tempo, you know, run-and-gun game that he prefers is the same one that you want Josh Richardson, Tyler Johnson, Justin right. Winslow to play. So it complements those guys. Um, because those guys aren't full-time creators, having him out there with them sort of helps them out. Um Dragic is playing really good basketball. You know, his last four, uh, 22 points, nine and a half assists, two turnovers, four and a half rebounds. Uh, that 22, nine, and four, four and a half line, I think that's only Harden, Westbrook, and LeBron this season. Uh, so those are, you know, superstar numbers. Um, you know, this is his best season in rebounds, second best season ever in minutes, points, assists. He's, he's playing great basketball. He looks like um, the guy who – who's worth, you know, two first-round picks, who's worth the contract he's got. But the question is, you know, is, is he worth that to this team um, if they're not going to contend, you know, in the next, uh, in the foreseeable future? It's ironic because he's probably not worth that to this team, but he's better fit for this team than the team that traded for him. Because I, I think not having Dwayne Wade there kind of helped him out a little bit now. Um, Absolutely. And I, and I would say also... Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's found his rhythm uh, as Deion Waiters, you know, has gone down with an injury because that was sort of similarly, you know, and that's not, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock Waiters. Um, we, we all know what he is and who he is. Uh, but I was surprised at how often they were just kind of going with, let's see what Deion can get us offense. You know, that I always thought, there's been the big talk, you know, who's going to be the guy late in games. I thought Dragic was the obvious choice from the beginning um, because be, because everyone's collapsed on Hassan. Goran's probably your best scoring option, and he's by far your best distributing option. Um, so I think that, that Dion has kind of gotten gotten out of the picture, and it's just kind of been more Goran-focused, Goran-centric. Um, yeah, I, I think that's helped the offense a lot, and I think uh, it's helped Goran a lot to just have – have the ball in his hands and let him, you know, go create and see what he can find. Yeah, you don't want to put too many. Like, it, it's good to have, like, guys like Tyler Johnson, at least in theory, and Josh Richardson, uh, they're, like, interchangeable, like, play on and off the ball. But a guy like Dwayne Wade was okay making, like, those backdoor cuts and, like, kind of slashing off action. But, like, Deion Waiters is not. Uh, he was an okay catch-and-shoot guy in Oklahoma City, but... You had Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant creating you wide-open bunnies. And so you don't want to take the ball too out of Dragic's hands too much because at the end of the day, he's still a point guard. And those guys are going to be most comfortable with the ball in their hands. And I think even if you did that, and I don't want to – I'm not comparing him to Steph or whatever, but Stephen Curry is so good playing off the ball. But the Warriors aren't going to put him off the ball so much because it probably helps him to get into rhythm and a comfort zone by being able to create his own shot. And I think you're seeing the same thing in Portland, which is why Evan Turner's not a good fit, is that the Blazers are so reluctant to take the ball out of Damian Lillard's and C.J. McCollum's hands um, so that Turner's the one that's forced to adjust because you want those guys, your 
key players to be in that comfort zone. Right. And it's, it's so funny for Miami because it's kind of the flip side. Like you said, Golden State wants to let Steph get comfortable. Portland wants Lillard and McCollum to get comfortable because that's what they should do because those are their best players. Um, and you can make the argument um, that right after Whiteside, Dragic is the best player. And it's, it's just been funny that um, he's been so often been the guy who's required to adjust to the guys around him. Um, so much. You know, yeah, Dave Miami's. Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, here, it's like Miami's so invested in him uh, between the, the trade that brought him here and the contract he got after getting here. Miami's got a lot riding on him. And they've just, uh, they haven't handled him necessarily like uh like he is or one of their prized pieces but you know injuries have kind of forced their hand and and you know you're able to go out and have an impressive three-game road trip on the west coast because of it so we'll see what happens it's just tough because the offense statistically it's better with him on the floor but it's just it's still not good is that just coming back to this is how the heat are being defended because it's like you said it seems like they have more shooters but teams are packing the paint anyway and the heat just aren't they have they shoot crappy percentages from three point range. It's definitely under thirty four percent. It might be closer to under thirty three percent at this point. Right. So like, is is that just what it is? Like they're so easy to defend, and it's it, to me, it's almost watching what I've seen from them. It's almost a wonder that Goran Dragic is having the season that he is because of one, how bad Miami looks at points offensively, but how many threes they seem to be missing. Um, and he's been so good at points, and him and Hassan Whiteside, that sometimes I don't even realize how bad the Heat offense is. Like, you know, then I'll, I'll be looking at numbers and then realize, like, oh, crap, like, you know, they're bottom seven in efficiency. It's, it's bad enough that I had the thought, I think it was the, the Utah game that was played. They went on, it was an eight-plus minute scoreless drought. Um, it carried over from from the second quarter into the third quarter, but they went almost to the six minute mark, and they hadn't scored a point in the third quarter. And that's the extreme example. But there have been a lot of offensive droughts with this team, um, even with Dragic and Whiteside doing what they do. Uh, and I think a lot of it is, yeah, it's not only that that Dragic and Whiteside kind of teams know where they want to get and what they want to do. Is that there's there's just not a lot of guys in this team that are going to beat you. Um, one-on-one. Uh, right. I, I think that's why you saw uh, Deion Waiters getting so much attention early and getting so many opportunities because, you know, technically if you squint your eyes and you don't necessarily look at the percentages, you might be able to convince yourself that, you know, every, every once in a while he'll be able to make something happen off the dribble. Um, but, you know, Josh, that's not part of Josh's game right now. That's not Justice's game. You know, Justice... Shooting struggles, I think, carry over from the perimeter all the way up to the rim. He's, he's not finishing like they need him to. Um, Tyler's a guy you're going to live with off the dribble. And then, you know, a lot of these complimentary guys are, are catch-and-shoot guys, like you said, aren't hitting their mark. Um, it's interesting to me, and maybe this describes kind of the whole roster um, in a nutshell, how much better the team has looked just in a few games that they've had Wayne Ellington back. You know, like Wayne Ellington, um, he's an established commodity, but in the grand scheme of the NBA, he's a pretty forgettable piece. You know, he's a, he's a catch-and-shoot, off-the-bench complimentary guy. But it's like having that one reliable shooter on the outside um, has just opened up so much for this team because now teams can't just run extra defenders at Whiteside rolling to the rim or extra guys at Dragic when he's attacking. 
Um, and that just says a lot about what they haven't had, you know, without Ellington in the mix. But no, I think the the, the half court offense is is as bad as it looked. It, it it's been as bad as it looked a lot of times, and and that's why I've always written. I think the key for Dragic is just to stay on the pedal the entire time he's on the floor. And he's a guy where I don't think he needs numbers to run. You know, he could be looking at like a two-on-three, a three-on-four. Sometimes it's better just for him to probe and see what's there because if he slows down and so waits. quick. Yeah. And if he slows down and waits and goes five-on-five, there's there's a good chance Miami isn't going to get something better than what he's able to create just in that fast-break chance. He's deceptively strong, too. Like, you can kind of tell he's got, like, that definition, but he's just – Watching him, he's just he's just more explosive and strong than I, th- I think he even realized. And even quicker, like he just he has all that put together. Um, and he, I, I guess it's like you said, I like that. Just keep your foot on the pedal because the Heat half court offense does not look good. Like, and they even it's so tough for them to they can be so good in the pick and roll, but like it's so tough for them to generate like those half court pick and rolls. Like it just seems like there's always like this just sea of people just always in the way. Right. And that's one thing they talked about on the road trip is just that they've sort of simplified things and they feel like they have more of their guys in comfortable, defined roles at this point that maybe they didn't um, even a month ago. They, they have guys who know where they're supposed to be, where they're supposed to kind of space the floor. And, and Dragos has talked a lot about that. The spacing has been a lot better lately uh, and you're seeing the offensive results because of it. But um yeah, you you could tell that that this team just kind of lacked a direction, lacked a cohesiveness, and and you know it's probably too early to say that that's you know that problem has been swept under the rug, but they've done a good job of hiding it at least lately. Now, and so I guess one of my final question might be: Is you're you're Pat Riley? What are you doing with Dragic? Are you making him available? Maybe not actively shopping him, but but can he be had? leading up to the trade deadline, or when you look at the Heat's books, they can probably carve out, they're going to carve out max space this summer fairly easily, I think, without doing anything. And then I, I don't know what's going to happen with Chris Bosch's number, but if that for some reason comes off their books, you know, they're, they're looking at a ton of cap space. So is, is his mindset still, I'm going to try and get these impact guys and get them to Miami and free agency, and Dragic will matter to us? And then if... For some reason, he doesn't get those guys. We'll hear more about Dragic trade rumors next season, or or do you think this is something that you know could maybe be done this season, or something the Heat will look to do? Because I don't, they're not a playoff team. I think that, especially with all the injuries, they're they're not a playoff team. So, what do you look to do? Is it still the wait and see game with them, which is pretty much what they've been playing since LeBron left in 2014? Yeah, you know, I think I think if you're Riley. You have to, you have to be open um, to at least seeing what's out there with Dragic. Um, like you said, that doesn't have to mean shopping him. Um, you don't have to be selling him to anyone, but you you certainly need to see um, if if I'm going to make this call, what's the return that I can get on this point guard who, like we said, probably doesn't fit the timeline of everyone else on this team. Um, but I don't think that it's something that that you need to press. Um, if you get closer to the deadline and it's clear that this team is going nowhere, um, I don't necessarily know, uh, if they're all the way out of the race, although I probably just need to, maybe that means I need to pay more attention to the Eastern conference well, and, and just, the standings. The, 
yeah, the East middle class is just so thick that right. even if you think, you know, the Heat are going to be in the peripherals, but, you know, you start the season at 7-13, and 13, right. um, and even now, like, you have one of the four worst records in the conference. Like, you're only three games out, which is the silver lining, but I just, where are they going to get those three games from? Right. Um, the teams in front of them, you know, they're not impressive. The, the Knicks are in the playoff race right now, and they're crap. Um, <laughs> the Magic aren't good. I thought the Hawks were good. They're not good. The Pacers I've been low on forever. So I guess maybe they get there, but it, so I, in my head, I guess I would wait to see what would happen in free agency anyway. But like, if right. you don't come into next season with another star, right. like, you know, maybe you see what happens at the beginning of the year, but at some point it has to become like, you know, Dragic is going to be 32 next year or whatever, maybe 31. Like his timeline just isn't even going to be kind of close to what this team is doing. Like at some point, it's going to become an issue if the Heat don't have that. They need another guy, at right. least one more guy, to make Dragic being on the roster worthwhile. And if they right. don't have him by next season, like at some point, or is it just no? Maybe maybe they plan on seeing this through with him. No, I, I think I think you're dead on. Um, you know, and even getting into this whole playoff discussion, you know, you've, you've got the other side of it that is that even a goal that this group should pursue? Uh, because if they are even able to somehow sneak into the eighth spot, you know, what does that mean besides uh, not having a foot in the draft lottery of what's supposed to be a really good class and, and, and getting stop, you know, steamrolled in the first round? I guess the upshot there is, though, too, I mean, well, there's two flip sides. I guess there always is. One, no one's tanking this year. Right. Like, it's just, so if they want it, if they could trade Dragic and just take that nosedive and, like, they're going to get a top three pick. But two of the top three draft prospects, and I won't pretend to be an expert there, but they're point guards, which I'm not entirely sure the Heat would need even without Dragic because they keep talking about how they want to develop Tyler Johnson uh, there, how Josh Richardson's on ball. They even seem like they want to use Justice Winslow a little bit more on ball. So maybe it's not worth it to them to tank right now. But but I would think if you don't go in free agency and hit a homer and bring in another another guy, uh, preferably a 3-and-D wing, like a starry 3-and-D wing, and I don't even know that that guy's necessarily out there until 2018. Um, like, he's just, it's a waste almost, because you're wasting his prime. You could probably, they're definitely, they, they should match. Right now, they could match what they paid for him, right? Because it was essentially two, what are going to be, what, like low-end first-rounders, mid-end first-rounders. They could, I would think they could definitely get a player and a pick for him. Yeah, I mean, can they, you know, can they get the Kings on the on the phone fast enough? Because I think that's who everyone here would like to deal with. Um, yeah, he, he's a marketable commodity. Um, he's a guy who should get you a pretty decent return. Um, you know, he doesn't have a ton of mileage for being his age because he wasn't made a full-time starter uh, until he got right, deeper into his career. Um, I don't think he's a guy who's got a, a, a very detailed uh, injury history. Um, you know, and, and he's got a style uh, that a lot of teams are embracing right now, right? This run and gun, this this up tempo, um, high pace, and he's a guy who's who's comfortable collapsing the defense and kicking it out to three, uh, which is you know seventy five percent of the league's playbook. So he's a guy that you're able to move. Um, but I think you know this is just such it's, it's such a strange season for the Heat because of the Bosch situation, and because you right. have so much money just tied up right there that you can't use, you know, you're effectively operating with what, like 75% uh, 
uh, of what everyone else is able to spend is what you're able to spend because you have that money sitting there and you're not getting any return from it. And, uh, you know, and Udonis Haslam, frankly, isn't uh, particularly cheap for what he's giving you. So there's, you know, I, I don't know what kind of takeaways you can get from this season. Um, you just want to see the young guys develop mainly. You wanted to see Hassan do what Hassan's doing right now. Um, but I think it would be tough for them to decide based on what happens this season um, that Dragic is or isn't the right guy for them. But, you know, I, I still think you listen. Um, if there is that blockbuster offer, that, that godfather offer, then, then yeah, you, you, you give it a good thought. But um, I think everyone knows, you know, 2017 is a huge summer for this team. Uh, I think that's where the whole Dwayne uh, exit came from. It's supposed to be a good draft. That's actually one of the picks that they do still have. And then, you know, there's some still some interesting names in free agency. Um, I know, I'm sure every writer has gotten some form of this, but, you know, I got, I got pinged by someone on Twitter the other day who says, hey, you know, if we draft, um, I think it was Josh Jackson, if we draft one of these, or, or Giles or one of them, like, you know, if we draft this guy and sign Blake Griffin, hey, we're right in the championship race. You know, it's like, well, every, every single team that probably applies to. Um, but, you know, I, I think if you can step out of that and look at the broader picture, if they're able to get a good draft pick uh, and they're able to sign a free agent and you keep a lot of these guys in place, including Dragic, yeah, you could turn it around pretty quickly. Um, and the East is, is really scalable. Um, you know, outside of Cleveland, it's, it's pretty easy to kind of muscle in close to behind them. So I don't, I don't think Riley's a guy who wants to blow it up. Um, I don't think he would, um, you know, unless he, like I said, unless he had something he just couldn't refuse. But, um, yeah, at the same time, he'd be foolish not to see if, if that is something that's out there because, um, you know, there's not a ton of point guards. Um, not point, a ton of point guards are probably going to be available because most of the good ones, uh, their teams are going to be in the playoffs. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. And uh, there's so many point guards on the market next summer, too. You just look at, like, from Lowry and Curry to Chris Paul to Derrick Rose and Ray John Rondo will probably be back there. I think his deal's not guaranteed. Drew Holiday. But someone like, a, obviously Griffin, um, but someone like a Gordon Hayward would be great for that team. Um, I can't picture Orlando letting him walk, and I'm not sure I want him. But Serge Ibaka, I, I was surprised to see, is not, like, 28. I think he's 26 right now or 27. Um, right. Him and Whiteside would be pretty scary. Uh and the Heat wouldn't be stupid like the Magic and just stock their roster with all the big men um, ever. So I, there'll be some options out there. And if you can get one, like you said, it's it's easy to turn it around um, in the East. Right. Um, but uh, that's where we'll leave it for today. Uh, the Hardwood Knox wants to thank Zach Buckley for coming on. He was fantastic with his Heat insight. Um, if you want to talk to him more, get at him. Um, on Twitter, you can find him at at Zach Buckley NBA. That's B U C K L E Y M B A. Um, if you want to follow Andy on Twitter, you can get at him at at Andrew D Bailey. Adam Frommel can be found at at Frommel zero nine. That's F R O M A L zero nine. Um, if you want to hit me up, I'm at Dan Favalli. That's F A V A L E. You can. Try and find us all at, at Hardwood Knox, but that Twitter account is dormant because we suck. There will be no shout-outs to Ben or Udry because my two comrades are not here. Until next time. 
The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.